Last week in our uh, journey through the book of John, we went to one of the highlights and talked about the feeding of 5,000 people, a miraculous sign. This part of the story comes right after that, and it's about food again. In verse 30, it continues. So the religious leaders came to Jesus and asked him, what sign will you give so that we see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. It's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus said to them, really, it's not Moses who gives you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, well then, sir, please give us this food all the time. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I've told you, you've seen me, and still you don't believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I'll lose none of those whom he's given me, but raise them all up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. What? When this was said, the Jews all started to grumble about him because he had said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They asked each other, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his mom and dad. How can he say, I came down from heaven? Jesus knew that and he said, stop grumbling among yourselves. Nobody can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up on the last day. The prophets wrote, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who's heard the Father and has learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Truly, I am telling you, the one who believes me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they died. Yet here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The word of the Lord. Let me just offer a, a couple of thoughts before we gather around the table for communion, whether you are sitting in church or you are on site somewhere else in the world because the setting of the stories are important. Jesus has not only just done this miracle, it's the only miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that shows up in all four of the stories about Jesus. It probably takes place in what we would now call the Golan Heights up, up north. Remember at the beginning, we said that last words are lasting words. Last words are meant to last. Well, these are close to the last. We're at the beginning of the end here, or at least the end of the beginning. And so words matter. And they often, they often cause us to fight against each other. This is, 
This is great theology done in public, not, not hiding. And that means that different people see it a lot of different ways. At my church uh, in Minnesota, we had a, a young congregation that uh, met in the evening, and once a month after worship, they would go uh, to a local pub and do what they'd call theology on tap. Ask somebody in to talk about a controversial topic or something that they had questions about. And that's, that's what they've done with this argument about what happens at communion. Does the bread actually change substance? Does, does it become the bread of life? Or is it a reminder? When Jesus said, this is my body, I think he probably could not have meant that literally because his human body was right there in front of him and hadn't yet been broken. So he must have been speaking symbolically in some sense. So what does Jesus mean when he says he's the bread of life? And in communion, he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. When the Reformation tried to recapture those meanings of communion, Presbyterians wanted it all. Presbyterians said it's not the fancy word transubstantiation where the bread actually becomes flesh, where the wine actually becomes blood. But it's also far more than just a memory of an ancient meal. Presbyterians refer to the real presence of Jesus, the real presence of the spirit of Jesus among us in community, just as he promised drawing us together. It's just like when you say, um, what does H2O look like? It can have three different states, right? The same material can be ice frozen in one place. It can be water that spills all over, or it can be steam. Well, in the same mysterious and sacred way, Jesus is really present here. Not magic, not just memory. So don't fight it. Don't try to over-explain it. Experience it, that sacred, life-giving, felt promise of the presence of the invisible God among us in a unique way. You know, for me, um, deeper and more important than explaining the mechanisms of communion is to get at what Jesus really meant when he said, I am the bread of life. Before we die on the hill of what actually happens to the grape juice and dissect it like it's an autopsy, that's what happens with dead people. What does I am the bread of life really mean today? for those of us who seek Jesus, who find Jesus, who follow Jesus. Why do we call Jesus the bread of life? Not the loaf of bread, Jesus is the bread of life. Well, this is where it helps to be reminded that the Gospel of John is the book of signs. And here is the sign of a new covenant of God, a new agreement with God by which we're given grace and a home-cooked meal that reminds us of our real and that's my second thought, and it's the main point this morning. I want you to remember that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the way we get eternal life. Jesus didn't just die for our sins when we die. He died for our life right here and now. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me 
will never hunger, who believes in me will never thirst. Not just then and there, but starting right here, right now. Whoever eats this bread with Jesus will live forever. This bread is the body of Jesus that gives life for the world. Scholars tell us there are actually two Greek words for life, bios, where we get biology, biological life, and then the word zoe, quality of life. They're like, you have two different words for meat, some same element, but it can either be hamburger or a porterhouse steak. There's a huge difference in the way that it tastes. Think of bios life as hamburger and zoe as the life that is filled with meaning and exhilaration and joy. Even though actual bread is linked to bios, Jesus links his bread, this bread, to zoe, the quality of life when he says, I am the bread of life. Zoe is life that makes life worth living, that has meaning, not just breathing in and out. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not just offering eternal existence, but now and forever Zoe, a radical, different kind of life that can begin right now. He says, don't work for food that's only by us. Fix your life around food that has zoe, both immortality and a new life that started right now. And frankly, that's why the Jews get so upset. Jesus is claiming to outfeed Moses, the greatest miracle ever back then, the manna that was given in the desert by God. Jesus is claiming to be closer to God than Moses. Tim Keller says that Jesus is bread for the mind and bread for the body and bread for the heart. And, and what he means by that is that Jesus is bread for the mind in that it's a sign of who Jesus really is. Feeding the 5,000 is a demonstration of the power that engages our intellect and forces us to ask, who is this guy? And some of the people who are there love it and want to name him king right away. But the skeptics, his opponents say, well, do it again, prove it again because miracles are signs that are meant to make us think, believers and skeptics. Jesus agrees that miracles don't prove it, and he refuses to do it again because he knows that miracles don't prove it. Only Jesus can be proof. The Bible does not give us a watertight argument. The Bible gives us a watertight person. Look at my life. You decide, who am I? Miracles are just to get you to look at Jesus in a way that cannot be dismissed because there's bread and then there's, <laughs> then there's real bread. Um, Gary Player is a world-famous golfer from South Africa and has been on the scene for 40 or 50 years. He was at the height of his fame in the 70s when I had the chance to uh, drive him from a Christian banquet where he was the speaker back to his uh, golf tournament. And as we talked, he asked me about my diet. I was a kid. I was like, you know, I can eat whatever I want. He goes, oh, that won't last long. He says, what kind of bread do you have? And I said, well, you know, Wonder Bread, whatever is there. And he says, oh, you Americans and you're Wonder Bread. Do you know what's in that? You should never eat that again. It's just all additives and dirty chemicals. 
I, I was taken aback by his vehemence. And yet look at him now in his 90s, he's still flexible and alive because there's bread and then there's real bread. That's bread for the mind. Who is Jesus really? When Jesus says he's the bread of life, it's also bread for the body. It's a sign of the kingdom to come. It shows when he takes this bread that Jesus comes to deal with human suffering. You know, every miracle is repairing the world, its pain and its brokenness. I don't know why there is suffering, but I do know that God hates it. And the miracles assault suffering, assault brokenness. And when Jesus is asked, how do we know that you're the Messiah? Jesus turns to John the Baptist and says, well, tell him this. The blind regain their sight, the lepers are cleansed, and the poor hear the good news. The poor hear that there is good news. It's, uh, it's important for me to remember that communion bed probably started as barley loaves because barley loaves were the bread of the poor. That's all that little boy had. And that's the bread that Jesus multiplies. Bread for the body means Jesus is a partner with the poor. Miracles don't suspend the natural order. They restore it. They are signs of your kingdom come on earth. Even if just for a second, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' healings, according to Jurgen Moltmann, are the only really natural thing that happens in a broken world. They point back to the Garden of Eden and they point again ahead to the Garden of Heaven. For secular people, underneath that intellect, you sense that there is a God, that miracles scratch that itch. And for a Christian, bread for the body should say, why are you sitting there like lumps instead of joining in the battle toward the restoration of the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of heaven, where the broken are made whole. There is bread for the mind to show who the real Messiah is. There's bread for the body to show the healing and restoration of the kingdom. And then Keller said there's bread for the heart. Jesus says you need to come to this table and to be converted, to be changed at, at your very root. Bread for the heart means that at the end, our need is for Jesus alone. We live in an age where people talk about spiritual paths and wonder, and there everybody has a spiritual hunger. What communion says is don't settle for spiritual wonder bread. Seek eternal bread. Only Jesus will provide that. Only Jesus can satisfy. He says, I am the bread of life. Not I can show the bread of life. Not I can teach the bread of life. Not I can give the bread of life. 17 different times in John, he says, I am or me or my. Jesus claims to be the bread of life to give you life. Not as your guide, not as your rule to follow, but life itself come to you. It's very presence. God's done the work for us so that you can have life when you pick the bread up and believe. The ancient Jews were offended when Jesus said that. We moderns dismiss miracles. They wanted to be right in the old days by obeying the law of Moses. 
eating the manna from heaven. And Jesus said, no, it's only by believing in me. It's so interesting that not only were the Jews offended, it says that the early disciples were offended as well. When Jesus claimed to be the bread of life, in verse 60, it says that many of the disciples left him. So don't leave him. Hold on. Until you start to get a glimpse, until you start to experience, even, even haltingly, that first step, recognizing your powerless and your brokenness, when you know you can't do it, you're close. If God is showing you the bad stuff or the broken stuff inside you, it's not to make you bad, feel bad. It's for your salvation. Don't go away. It's not, what have I done? It's what has Jesus done? His broken bread life has done. And that's how you pass from death to life. Obviously, the Lord's Supper is not for perfect people, for, but for people who repent, who turn around. That's just the point. We believe God's unmerited grace comes to us as a word to be believed, not as a deed that we have to do, not as something we have to prove. Here is the bread of life. Jesus is the Savior. Broken for all of us. Pick it up and eat. Lord Jesus, sometimes these words seem uh, mysterious even now. Sometimes they seem almost offensive or too visceral, but I ask you, with my brothers and sisters scattered around this room and around the bay, that you would once again be present as the bread of life and give us the life for which we will always hunger, that we might never thirst again. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.